how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Welcome to the Colin and Samir podcast. My name is Samir, and I host this podcast with my business partner, Colin. Colin and I met seven years ago when I started my first company, an online network dedicated to the sport of lacrosse. We built the network together and eventually sold the company. Since then, we've been trying to find our path as creative entrepreneurs. We make YouTube videos and documentaries and use this podcast to help us navigate the ups and downs of our creative journey. We also bring guests on the show. So if you listen back to our library of episodes, you'll find some really fascinating guests all within the creative field. On this week's episode, Colin and I talk about how media and specifically social media plays into defining the identities that we all connect with and aspire to be like. We talk about masculinity, which is an interesting topic for us, especially because of all the work that we've done in sports. We both grew up playing sports and athletes play a big role in defining masculinity. This has to be one of the most interesting conversations that we've recorded. And I'm curious to hear your opinion once you get to the end of the episode. Our podcast is very conversational and we want to include you in that conversation. So you can drop us a voice message on Anchor or a tweet on Twitter or a DM on Instagram. At any point in this episode, if you have an opinion or thought on the topic we're discussing, feel free to reach out to us. Let us know what you think. We want to include you in our conversation. All right. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Colin and Samir podcast. So it's become tradition for the past four years that over July 4th, we go to Denver and it's a pretty awesome tradition. It's something that we've been doing with New Balance, who's a company that we work with quite a bit, and the World Series of Youth Lacrosse. And the World Series of Youth Lacrosse is pretty similar to the Little League World Series, if you follow American youth sports. But it's basically a bunch of lacrosse teams uh, that have all qualified to come to this tournament that are 13 and under in terms of age. So these kids are literally you know, younger than 13, probably like eight, nine or 10 to 13. How, what's the age? Yeah. I mean, the majority of the players are 11, 12 and 13, but it's a really family friendly event. So you've got little brothers, little sisters. I mean, it's, there's just tons of kids. So we go every year and and cover it. Um, We make social content around the event we host a bunch of it. We kind of are like the faces of the event or the faces of, I would say we're basically the the face of the event. event. We're kind of like MCs on the ground. And we did a, a bit for ESPN this year, which was really cool. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been this tradition that we've done. And as, as most of you know, if you've been following our podcast or you just know us uh, and, and about our career, our career has always been in sports. Um, and our career specifically has been in lacrosse. So making content with and about lacrosse is just part of our lives still to this day. Even though we moved on and, and done a lot of different stuff, we still retain this connection with the sport and with sports media. And today, what I wanted to talk about is something that we have conversations about off the mics and, and off camera a lot, which is uh, masculinity. We both grew up playing sports. I mean, you actually played for one of the teams that was there this weekend. Yeah, and, I was. it's always interesting. I, I was one of these kids. 
and, and interacting with this community again, you know, you connect back to what it was like to grow up playing a sport. And one of the most interesting things was like connecting with some how aggressive some of the coaches and parents are uh, with their kids about sports, about winning, about, about competitiveness and thinking about the way that the world is moving. And a lot of times I look at it in the way that you and I spent a long time working with athletes, working with sports media. And the second we stepped away, we got more involved in music and more involved in entertainment and more involved with guys like, um, like a yes theory or a Matt Diavella who are making content and making media about their emotions. And that's kind of a new, I think a new phenomenon that's really awesome and great. But it's a strong departure from when we were kids playing sports, my version in my head of, of uh, I guess, masculinity. Yeah, when I look back to playing sports as a kid, specifically lacrosse, I remember latching onto it and making it my identity. Because for me, it stood for cool, it stood for muscular, athletic, um, and it felt like a safe identity when I was growing up. And, I, and, I, and I'm specifically talking about the ages of, you know, 13, 14, 15, as kids start to go through puberty. And like you, for the first time, you feel like you have to search for an identity as people sort of start to differentiate. And for me, sports and lacrosse was a safe identity because I think society as a whole, at least that I was in, in New Jersey and in the Northeast, deemed it cool to be an athlete mm-hmm. in the movies that I watched and watching ESPN. It was cool. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I grew up in like the way I was, and I think you were like this too, although I'm, I, I identified as like an athlete, I was like always in the gym and doing like, like lifting weights. I was also on the other side listening to really sad <laughs> emo music. And yeah. that was like, yeah. that was also who I was, which is such an interesting um, double-edged... Well, like, I think you were those two things simultaneously. Yeah, I was. Pretty much from the start. From the start. Probably. For me, I was much more... Not that I was a jock, because I never was that big, to be no, honest. No, you have a jock vibe. <laughs> okay, That's, take it easy. Yeah. You don't if you've that. ever met Colin, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, like, like a typical bully jock. Like, give you a noogie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think you were those things simultaneously, and it, it took me uh, going through an experience where... All I wanted to do was get recruited to play college lacrosse. Division one college lacrosse, NCAA, that was everything for me when I was a sophomore, junior in high school. And I went to every recruiting camp that I could, did not get recruited to play, and then felt sort of for the first time in my life very much like less than, like I had mm. failed, and that I also was no longer the lacrosse player identity that I'd been trying to build since I was a 12-year-old. And so my reaction to that was to get more into arts, taking mm. arts classes at school, uh, listening to emo music. Mm-hmm. And that's when I sort of started to move away, honestly, from the jock narrative that I was telling myself, the athlete narrative. And because it didn't work out in the way that I had wanted it to, it started, was like, oh, all right, I need to find something else. Mm-hmm. I, th- there's this amazing thing that happened. Like, I think social media has a little bit of a uh, a bad rap in terms of, you know, what it's done. Um, 
or it can have a bad rap. But one of the good things about, in my opinion, is that it's changed the like the, the hardcore definitions of what it means to be to identify with certain things. So to identify as an athlete now, I mean, you know, our good friend Paul Rabel, he broadcasts his vulnerability using his own platforms, which would not happen via ESPN or via mm-hmm. um, any of the traditional media outlets. I mean, when we first started working with him, and if you look him up, Paul Rabel, he's been on the podcast. Um, we met him along in 2014, and we started working with him on YouTube videos. And a lot of what we talked about was on the field, he was Rabel. Um, on the back, the guy, the name on the back of his jersey in commercials, he was lifting weights and being really aggressive and and really kind of like the stereotypical athlete, right? Like that's what you imagine when you think of an athlete. But there was this other side of him that we called Paul. And so one of the first shows we did with him on YouTube was called hashtag ask Paul. Um, We wanted to take Rabel out of the name so that it was more of like personal, more intimate, more get to know him. And, you know, it took time to develop his personality. But today, if you follow him, I mean, he is very vocal about his vulnerability, his his mental health, his uh, emotions, uh, his, his political affinities. His political affinities. Yeah, like he's he's very open about everything. And, and he I, is not an anomaly in sports. Exactly. That's go, that goes hand in hand almost with athlete today. And we came up in a pre-social media era mm-hmm. when the idea of an athlete was much more defined to TV shows, Hollywood movies, and even TV at the time wasn't as, uh, I think TV has changed as society has changed. When you look at shows like Glee, did you ever watch Glee? No, I didn't watch Glee, but I know you loved it. You say it like, like it's uh, that's kind of rude the way you no, said no. I, I'm just not a musical guy. Okay. I, and it's tough because I'm engaged to the biggest musical fan uh, west of Denver. <laughs> just came up with a random okay uh, yeah, i've never location. heard katie defined like that <laughs> yeah but sure. her and her family i've been to more musicals uh with them this year than i've ever been to in my life well okay uh, i'm big musical people and musicals are just tough for me so so glee i'm sure great show but i can't well, watch people singing the narrative of a show long story short the point i'm going to make about <laughs> glee is that it broke down a lot of uh social barriers sure. and on the show the quarterback of the football team, uh, you know, joins the like music club, or and his stepbrother is gay, and he sticks up for him, and it's this interesting dynamic, and it it, it I think represented uh, some relationship dynamics that were not out there at the time, mm-hmm. and we kind of came up before that mm-hmm. era, mm-hmm. and so like I said, like for me, it was lacrosse really meant like. You would go to a great school, get a good job. You were buff and like you did well with girls. Yeah. And like when you're a 13, 14 year old kid insecure of who you are, that's an easy way to latch on. For sure. Yeah. But but it also, I think as much as it includes those things, it also excludes certain things, right? Like identifying as a lacrosse player also excludes the fact that you are vulnerable, right? It, it includes the fact that you're like tough you're really muscular, you're like good with girls, whatever, but it excludes like the fact that you're like emotional or like you might Mm -hmm. be soft or you might, I don't know, like hundred percent or you're into the arts. Like it excludes a lot. And, um, 
while I think that's changing, and, and, and now all of that, all the definitions are actually defined primarily and solidified through media. So how this relates to like you and I is because a lot of what we do with sports media is we paint a certain picture for an audience, right, of what sports is. Um, and I think working with an athlete, you're painting a picture of like what you should aspire to be like. Right, especially as a young lacrosse player, the the, the kids that we saw this weekend um, or this week in Denver at the World Series of Youth Lacrosse, like they're they're obviously competing at a really high level in their in their age, but they're aspiring to be like the pro athletes that they see on Instagram and the pro athletes they see on YouTube and the guys that we've been involved with shaping what that image looks like. So across the board, like this. this responsibility of being a creator within this category or being an athlete who now is a creator is pretty significant because you're defining what the next iteration of athletes looks like. However you act uh, is, is what is going to happen next. So guys like LeBron who are very vocal about, you know, activism guys like Rabel who we work with uh, who are very vocal about things. But I, I wouldn't exclude us from that category sure. either specifically in lacrosse because mm-hmm. we, we were very visible and mm-hmm. are very visible. We are very so visible, when yeah. we interact on the ground, when we are show up in videos, we're also cognizant of, of the image that we're portraying. Mm-hmm. And as much as this is changing and it's very exciting for us, there's a lot of people in the world that are not excited about it. And that came, that shed, it was shed a lot of light when we did the Bonobos commercial last year. So Colin and I were in a commercial for Bonobos, um, God, I can't remember the name. Evolve the Definition. Evolve the Definition. That was the name of the campaign, but we were featured in it. I was in the actual like TV ad uh, speaking in mm-hmm. it. I, I said one word. What did you say? I said masculine during nice. the definition. Yeah. But well, if you watch well, that. Well done. <laughs> thanks, man. That's I'm the guy from that ad. If you yeah. listen to that and you were like, oh my God, I never knew he was the guy. That I'm the guy from that ad. But. If you if you go and look at the comments, the YouTube video has like well over 10 million and views. The ad evolved the definition. They, they grabbed, I think, 150 different men that were very diverse. Um, and it the whole idea was about evolving the definition of masculinity. Yes. And so we were... To be more inclusive. To be more inclusive, yeah. Of different types of men. Yes. Yeah. And different types of words. Like, I, I Which don't I thought know. was very cool to be included in that. Super cool. I thought that was like exactly what I want to stand for is inclusivity. Um, I think if you search our names uh, on Google with Bonobos, you can watch some of our interviews. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, we have we actually have interviews on the Bonobos website. It's the first time we were in like a real commercial. Also, uh, we have a YouTube vlog about that experience too. That's that's on there. That's called like three tips for vlogging. It it probably should have been called like we were in a <laughs> we commercial. were in a commercial. Yeah, yeah. we were in like the, the the ad one like ad of the year. It's like a big deal. Um, yeah, but anyway, not great at titling and thumbnailing at <laughs> that time, <laughs> nor, maybe now. Uh, yeah, nor are we great at it now, but that was received with such negative feedback and it was so shocking to me because I knew that not everyone is on board with, with it, right. With like, like people are very, very strong in their way of like, this is what masculinity means, but th- th- it did not, the ad did, in my opinion, did not tear down anything about the current definition of masculinity, it just suggested that it could be more inclusive. And that was surprising to me that people were so against like, it was interesting because you're right. It wasn't, 
that aggressive. No, it was just like, hey, there's also other types of, there's also other uh, ways to define masculinity, including the one that we've been using for years. It was like, there's broad-shouldered men, skinny-shouldered men, (laughs) short guys, tall guys, guys who can grow beards, those who can't. But man, some of the comments are just out of this world. I'll see if I can uh, pull some up. But it was really surprising to me, and it showed me, you know, that we live in 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 a little bit of a bubble, and and it's uh, as tough it as it as it is to read this stuff. It's also important to understand why and to understand every aspect of people's thoughts around around something like like this, like masculinity. Um, but I, I just thought it was a really interesting thing to talk about coming off of you know, doing something with youth athletes because of how impressionable they are, you know, like, and, and again, like you said, our role as creators to that community, um, it makes me really excited and proud to think that you and I are, um, showcasing a different type of, you know, we, we both, I would say I still identify myself as a lacrosse player and a lacrosse fan. Definitely. And we just don't fit into the mold, but we're, of, of what traditionally was described as, as such. I think especially at the time that we first got on camera, mm-hmm. 2012, at that time, because there was so little media about what it meant to be a lacrosse player, uh, lacrosse player at the time was like Stifler from American Pie. Yeah. Who was pretty ignorant. Yep. Um, there was the Duke rape scandal. Yep. Uh, there was a murder at UVA. University of Virginia. And so the image of a lacrosse player at the time was very much uh, sort of white, northeast, elitist, ignorant, like even nodes of, of racism. Right. You know, not to say that mm-hmm. every, like that was the only image, but, you know, that's definitely a stereotype that was strongly out there at the time and still is a little bit. But I'm very proud that when we started getting on camera, we started to at least put another idea of what it could mean to be a lacrosse player out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the way, evolve the definition. If you just search evolve the definition, you'll find the ad, um, evolve the definition has 10.1 million views, 16,000 likes. How many dislikes do you think it has? 45,000. That's pretty close. 39,000 dislikes. Wow. 39,000 dislikes to 16,000 likes. Top comment. Just here to drop a dip, dislike. Second top comment. You're not trying to evolve the definition. You're trying to deform it. Oh, shocker. It's a skinny jeans company. That's a weird. This is one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> What's up with the assault on skinny jeans? I don't know. I like skinny People jeans. People wore skinny jeans in the 70s and the, the 80s like, anyway. The like to dislike ratio is the only good thing about this video. It's weird. I think being strong, wait, yeah, I don't know. If you don't fit the definition, you're not it. This popped up as an ad when, uh, and I went out of my way to click through to the video to dislike it. Every one of these guys looks effeminate. Strong people don't feel the need to redefine words in their favor. I mean, if you go through the the comment section, it's fascinating. And it's, uh, it's just interesting to me that, that there is, there's a lot that can be done from a from a creator perspective and from a media perspective, but I guess you know there isn't there is an argument as well, and this is just to to throw this out there, but like 
do creators and companies like this have a responsibility to be more inclusive? Is this something that is overstepping bounds as a company? Like uh, when, when people argue that like athletes are going too far by describing or like, like trying to push their views onto people, is there any argument there to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a, Tough bait, uh, tough debate. It's pretty like subjective, I guess, right? Because if I were to run a company, I would feel a responsibility to be inclusive. And maybe the but, word isn't, yeah, maybe the word isn't responsibility. Maybe it's opportunity. But you're not obligated. Yeah, you're not obligated to do it. I think you have the opportunity because if you build a platform, here's the reality of, of, of where media is today. It's become democratized, right? So Bonobos doesn't have to go to TV to produce a commercial and, and blast it out there, right? They can upload to YouTube. And if they build a good enough audience on YouTube, they can say whatever they want to say on YouTube. That's that's the, the, the place we live. That's the world we live in today. They can say whatever they want. If LeBron James builds a good audience, he can say whatever he wants, you know? And when you build a platform, you can, you can say whatever you want. No matter if you're a company, you're an athlete, you're a creator, like you can say whatever you want, good or bad, you know, you can say whatever you want. So I think that that is, uh, I don't know if the answer is, I, I think that word responsibility is too much. I think it's, it's opportunity. It's like you have the opportunity to say something. And it's when you have a platform. Yeah. You when you, when you build a platform to say yeah. something. And, and it's, it's really empowering to be a creator and to recognize that like, even if, if a hundred people or a thousand people are listening, you have the opportunity to say something. Um, but it's also very important to recognize the power of media and how much media, like media defined masculinity for us. It will still define masculinity for us. Like whatever's in the media is the definition of any word, archetype, identity. Like we will connect with whatever is repeated in the media. The Marlboro Man was a great example of how that went down, right? Like that defined men to us mm -hmm. yeah and it's slowly evolving over time but when you're in the present moment media is very finite like how whatever we record in this podcast if we say something a certain way there it is right right and and you will ingest it a certain way and maybe you'll repeat it but there's no in between the lines whatever you get is what you get and maybe if you say something you didn't like or you want to change it afterwards you could throw another tweet out there record another podcast right. but you don't know how people are taking in what's, you know, getting put in front of them. And this is, I think, why a lot of people are so infuriated with creators like Logan Paul and Jake Paul and that kind of group because they're like, look, you, you, no matter what you say, even though those guys are making arguments right now that their audience is older, you're still accessible to, you know, a young audience. What do you, what do, you do in that scenario when, like, you have so much distribution. You have such a big platform. Do you have a responsibility to be a good role model? Because Logan Paul always says, like, I'm not a role model. Yeah. That's a really fascinating thing, right? Because he, he he's saying that he's not a role model, but, like, again, how many kids are aspiring to be like him? And, and how many kids does he define what it means to be, like, a guy, right? A man. It's too. funny. I, I could see myself in a room with him, like, Explain to him that I do think he has a responsibility. 
but I don't think he has any obligation to take my advice. Right. And I would not, he, you know, I honestly wouldn't think less of him. Like he's doing his thing. He's, he's it just wouldn't be my thing. He, he's really interesting to me because he's on one side of the creator spectrum. That's like, I mean, since he's been boxing too, he's like really fitting into this like uber masculine vibe, right? He's like jacked. He's huge. We've both met him twice now or you've met him twice. I've met him once. Yeah. Um, he's this big dude. He's like very physically imposing. He boxes, he like beats people up. He, if you listen to his podcast, he talks about all kinds of crazy things. Like very, very being a Mavericks all about being the best. Yeah. Being like, like alpha fearless, being, fearless leader. Yeah, yeah. Being this kind of like aggressive masculine dude. Um, and obviously he's got a really young, impressionable audience. Do you think about what you put out on your Instagram? Yeah, I think I've always been really cautious. I mean, if if you really look at it, you and I have never put out a single post with a beer in it. I was just thinking about that because I was at like a barbecue this weekend. And, yeah. And everyone's posting and, videos and pictures of people with beers and stuff. And, and I'm not going to say that that's like not okay. I've had conversations with, with a lot of my friends who are uh, older creators and they're like, what? We're above twenty one. They're not doing. I know we're not it, doing anything wrong. Why would you think that that's not okay to just showcase? Like, if you want to post a picture of you with your friends at that barbecue, like, why holding is holding a, a beer deal? is not yeah, a big deal? But, but I feel like it's a big deal, and I don't want to. Uh, I'm not suggesting other people do this. I'm not suggesting other, you know, older creators hesitate before they post something like that because it's, you know. But for some reason, I do feel, I feel a lot of responsibility for what I put out there. And it's probably why I hesitate to put a ton of stuff out. Same. I think I hesitate a lot because of that. And I think it's because we started creating with a really young audience. Yeah. I mean, even this past weekend when we're out at the World Series of Youth Lacrosse, there are little brothers and little sisters of some of these kids who are playing who are six, seven, and eight. And... They're just cruising around with us. Yeah. Like their parents are like, yep, like you're fine to hang out with Colin and Samir. Right, right. And we're basically like babysitting yeah. six, seven, and eight-year-olds who know who we are and watch our YouTube videos. Yeah. And who are now, I just see after that weekend, mm -hmm. we picked up a couple hundred right. followers from being there who are all young lacrosse players. Right. Yeah. And, and, and in that vein, like I, I wouldn't feel great about putting out any other message. It's also just not authentically who we are. You and I are just, I think those kind of guys, right? Like, I don't think we do that much that's off. And we've gotten that feedback from people. Like we're not that different from, yeah. if you listen to our podcast and watch our YouTube videos or follow us on Instagram, we're not that different. We're, we're basically those dudes, um, that you've seen. So you know, I, I, again, I don't want this to sound like we're, I'm like on a high horse here, like being like, oh, we're like a better version of, of creators. I'm just saying like, that's what's natural to me. But it's interesting to look at the environment of creators and think about athletes, creators, like all these people who are really defining the next iteration of young kids. Like it's, it's just what they're looking up to is YouTube creators and Instagram creators and athletes who are using social media. So whether you have the responsibility or not, it, it's, it's creating new identities. Definitely. I think we always talked about Casey Neistat as the adult in the room. Casey Neistat to me is a guy who does a lot of crazy stuff, you know, very exciting, very cool, uh, 
you know, prop should he be riding a boosted board through New York City? I don't know, but like, <laughs> you know, one of our friends literally but just it, rode a boosted board through New York City and got hurt. But besides the fact, but for the most part, it's most all part, pretty yeah. harmless. Sure. And with Casey specifically, whenever something happened in the world that was a tragedy, he was always right there the next day to give a very rational mm-hmm. sort of viewpoint and healing moment, in my opinion, mm-hmm. in a way that I felt like a lot of YouTubers and creators are not obligated to do. They don't have responsibility necessarily because um, it's a difficult thing, I think, to do. We never really, um, you know, we were week to week. We were on YouTube all the time with Lacrosse Network when tough things were happening in the world and seldom did we really... No, we, we wouldn't address them. We wouldn't yeah. address them because I don't know if Sometimes it was our role. We would. Sometimes we would. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, it's difficult to to do that. And he always did it, I thought, very well. Yeah, it, it was almost comforting to watch him during times of, of turmoil when he was uh, daily vlogging. I mean, obviously, he, he got a lot of backlash for exposing his political views and being very adamant about his political views. But, you know, it's just... Uh, I look at guys like Yes Theory, and I'm excited about the way that they're, you know, treating content. And, and uh, I, I, Matt Diavella, especially, I think a guy who's just like so earnest and like just out like out gives his mental state like his most recent content has been so fascinating to me because he's a guy who I really looked at as even for me watching his content I look at him as like indestructible right he's like he's got this amazing morning routine he's just like so focused he's he kills it on YouTube he grew super fast hard-working guy but like he just made some videos about honest feelings and honest anxiety and honest uh mental situation and just took breaks and just i think it's amazing like no one's indestructible yeah and every i think you grow up thinking that certain people are that like the coolest kid in school is indestructible i mean when we grew up i did i did not think michael jordan was destructible in any way I looked at Michael Jordan and I remember I was kind of like thrown off when he like wasn't doing well in baseball. So I was like, this guy's a superhuman, right? Because like in the media, all you saw was like, this is the most amazing human being in the world. Yeah. You know, and and it's the same thing. It's like um, whether it's a football player or a celebrity like or an influencer, like a lot of what you see, it's just it's how you perceive the world and how you perceive you're supposed to be or you want to be that's the tough thing about instagrams you see all these incredible images of people's lives i don't know why on instagram it's it it feels so edited to me that it's like not the same youtube affects me a lot like youtube videos because it's just seeing someone's life like raw and even if it's like a vlog for some reason that drives me more than Hmm. seeing like a really hyper edited captured moment in time i'm like okay it's like a a half a second of time. Interesting. YouTube videos, like watching Casey's videos. I think Casey's one of the few though that really does a pretty good job of making it raw. Yeah, like, that's true. When I watch a lot of YouTube channels, I think I know so much about the editing process. Right, right. And about what it took to put yourself in this situation right. that looks cool that I'm like, yeah, Yeah, interesting. Podcasts and YouTube videos drive my aspiration more than anything and drive my... Uh, craft my identity i think more than anything for me too podcasts and really good interviews i watch so Mm -hmm. many interviews on youtube because i think with an interview a long drawn out interview you can really begin to understand someone so in terms of like 
let's let's go back to the the beginning theme which was masculinity which i think led us to this concept of media structuring identities and media creating aspirational identities is there a version of an identity that you aspire to be like today and where did that come from whoa that's an interesting question um and also, before Colin answers this, I would turn this question to the rest of the audience too. First of all, what do you think about our conversation so far? This is probably one of the more in-depth conversations that the style of conversation Colin and I have off podcast a lot. Definitely. Uh, but I want to open this up to everyone who's listening. Um, you know, where what does this all mean to you? What does it mean for athletes, celebrities, influencers, brands to have platforms? Um, do they have an, do they have an opportunity responsibility? What is it about the platform that, that they should be or shouldn't be using it for? Um, and then also in terms of identities, are there certain platforms that you connect with more to create aspirational identities? And what are you currently aspiring to be like as a person? And where does that come from? So currently I'm aspiring to be sort of like a self-made man. Hmm. And I look at one of my friends from high school, a guy named Joey Flatteron. He came out of college, became a banker, and decided he didn't like it, dropped it, and started his own water ski charter company. And I look at his life, and at the time, everyone was like, Joey, what are you doing? You had a great banking job. But he was so stubborn on his vision of how he wanted to live. And now, five, six years later, he has a really successful company, and... He has a whole world of people around him. All of his employees are basically like family. He, his longtime girlfriend works for the company. And, and it's just this amazing community that I can see from afar when I like talk to him and when I look at his Instagram and see what's happening. And I don't know what the reality of it really is necessarily, but I love that he has created his own paycheck and his own world and he's providing for other people. And that I think is a really cool thing. And that's definitely part of the identity that I currently want to build for myself. I look at a guy like Ben Nempton, who hopefully mm. we have on this podcast. Yeah. Someone who feels to me very level-headed, uh, impressive, well-dressed. Well-dressed. I think he really just got important. married. Uh, and he's yeah. about our age, maybe a little older. He's a little bit older than us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's a guy to me that mm-hmm. I think clean-cut. Like someone who's, when you meet them and spend time with them, they just seem... Like they're confident about their beliefs yeah, and they're on top of their lifestyle. They have a lifestyle goal and vision and you can already see it's playing out. Ben's, you bring up Ben. Ben's another guy that's like from an identity perspective. He's very aspirational as well, I think, just as like a, a guy. I think that's a, that's a really good one. If you guys don't know who Ben Nempton is, he created a show called The Buried Life. And that's all I'm going to tell you. I think you should go watch the trailer for The Buried Life. This guy was basically making YouTube videos before YouTube. And he did it on MTV. Um, but it's like, it's so impressive. If, if you like our videos or you like Yes Theory, you'll, you'll love The Buried Life. So Okay, well, I'm not done with my identity. Go ahead. There's another part of my identity. Okay. So I also want to be a guy that can always go into like the local concert venue or the coffee shop and get my drink for me. No. (laughs) If you don't know what Samir's talking about, go back and listen to our last podcast. That's a real point of contention. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
But you know what I mean. I yeah. want to be like a local. I want to be known in the town. Maybe have a few tattoos. A little bit more edgy. Not completely clean. Wait a second. The t- <laughs> What's the big deal? Hold on. Hold on. The edge came out of nowhere there. You were talking about being like a, a quaint, like yeah. small town guy. It's not finished. And then you added on. I need a little bit of edge. Edge. Also, yeah. don't, don't okay. scoff at my identity. I'm not scoffing. It I'm just, being vulnerable here. I'm, I'm giving not- myself. You're right. You know, you're to right. the people who I want to be, and you're here. You're right. Sitting on the couch, just laughing. I just want to. Just want to address that. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, what? I'm not the guy who's gonna be so hard nosed about certain identity types. You can be whoever you want to be. Evolve the definition, man. <laughs> Evolve the definition. You're right. You're right. You're right. Small town guy can be edgy. Has some tattoos. A little edgy. I get it. All right, man. What's your identity? <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> No, I don't know. I think I think mine's been very challenged recently. I think uh, a lot of what I wanted to be and a lot of what I looked up to, I mean, obviously a lot of it came from my dad, just being self-made man, like going through a lot of stuff as an immigrant and, you know, all all he ever wanted to do was, was work and, and make sure he was creating and, and making money and, and uh, providing. And that was a lot of my definition of all this, of, of masculinity and of... Uh, you know, just, just who I wanted to be. And and that also combined with like the athletic component. Like I think that, that desire to constantly be achieving, uh, is still with me. It's tough to, to shake it. But like, even if you, if you look at how I structure my days, it's a lot of like, whether it's small tasks, I always have to be achieving a task. Even if it's like cleaning up something or moving something around, like I, ha- I just need to be achieving a task at some point. But I think as time has evolved, and again, a lot of the people we've met are much more balanced in their lifestyle and much more focused on inner self, personal development, relationships with others, community-oriented. Um, that's evolving my identity now. And, and it's not as defined by media because I think like a lot of, especially coming out of, coming out of college, like I watched The Social Network and that was like, I was like, I want to be that. You know, like yeah. I, I was, I mean, all that media around young Evan Spiegel creates yeah. Snapchat. It's a billion dollar company. Mark Zuckerberg changes the world. Like I think you a get lot all of this our media. generation was affected by that. For sure. I think at first the masculinity was like big brawny buff Marlboro dude. And then our generation evolved into the entrepreneur. Right. As we all found out we weren't going to play in the NBA. Yeah. We got hit with the entrepreneur wave. Yeah. The entrepreneur wave of like these dudes who could come up with ideas that change the world and, and change their lives drastically they change their rock lives. stars yeah you know what's cool billion dollars a billion dollars if you haven't seen the social network please go watch it it's so good but it, it that that really like that played into my whole narrative of you know also my father being an entrepreneur and being like oh this is it i gotta be an entrepreneur but look at kids now i'm sure there's a lot of kids out there who are heavily influenced by the YouTube creators for out there. sure. I mean, dude, look at Lo- again, back to Logan Paul. This dude lives in a multi-million dollar mansion. Like, of course, but I mean, wanna... I think even yes, theory, Sam Colder, Matt yeah. Diavella, like all of these guys. Uh, and I, I, I can't necessarily speak to, um, also Jordan Belfort's an interesting addition to this list of like when Wolf of wall street came out. I feel like that was every dude's like, uh, yeah. like I, I saw Jordan Belfort. He's been doing like the rounds on podcasts recently. And like every podcast he goes on, everyone does the like, they all love him. Right. Like the whole, like the pounding the chest thing. And like, he's, uh, I mean, he really played into like that. Like 
high powered entrepreneur, manly, like take it, you know, to take it, take, take what you can from people like, just like, you know, be very attractive to women, like get a lot of yeah. money, get a lot of like, not that different though than like the travel YouTuber who's like always in Bali. Interesting. Yeah. Is it? At least the image no, of it. No, no, it's interesting. Yeah, that's a good And comparison. maybe not that different in a way. Granted, it's a much healthier direction, but then like the Matt Diavella who gets, gets to be vulnerable on camera and like live in a really dope house. Like, or whatever. You know what right, I mean? Like right. whatever it is, like minimalism, right? Yeah. Like shit's really ideal mm. when you look at it. So I'm sure there's young kids growing up who are like, I really want this. Granted, maybe it sends them in a better direction than the Wolf of Wall Street. Or the Logan Paul, but it's definitely still influencing. That's kids. so fascinating, actually. I think what what you're what I'm getting from what you're saying is the archetypes still exist. The identities all still exist. There's just way more now. Yeah, because media because has been of democratized. Because media. Yeah. media has been democratized, so it's not actually that it's been broken down. Like that, the concept of of man masculinity has not necessarily been broken down. It actually is naturally just more inclusive because there's more versions more of More representation. Of yeah, it. there's more representations of it in media. And I would think specifically on YouTube that goes for different races, ethnicities, all types of... For sure, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talk about it a lot, but I grew up not knowing that Indian people could be in American media. Not being a poo from mm -hmm. The Simpsons. Like, that's... When I grew up, the only famous Indian was Apu from The Simpsons. So it was like, oh, if we do like the funny, and every kid in school was like, do the Indian accent, be Apu, do the 7-Eleven thing. The 7-Eleven thing, yeah. And you're like, ugh, okay, mm -hmm. I'll do it. You know? And mm -hmm. that's like the only identity that Indians had. Yeah, and especially if you're striving to fit in and get gain acceptance. It's the only identity I had as an as an Indian kid in America. Was I would like, imagine like at a primarily all white school. For sure, there was there was I, I can define to you the, the few identities I had. It was a poo from Simpsons. It was if you ever saw the movie Office Space. Yeah, of course. There was a guy, a character named Samir. His name was Samir. His name was Samir Nahani Nahajad, which like they said. There was a joke in that movie that was like Samir not gonna not gonna not gonna be able to pronounce that name or like not yeah, gonna work here that. anymore. So that was the joke for my entire high school too, like like uh, middle school and high school. But like there was only three or four Indian dudes in media and that just defined who I was mm -hmm. at school. There were then, then, what's it called? That movie came but out it, it with like, Lindsay Lohan. Oh yeah, Mean Girls. Mean Girls, where I went math to- Math star. Yeah, I went to college. Mathlete. And people used to like- uh, Kenny, Kenny G? Kenny G, yeah. Not not at UC Santa Cruz, which was an awesome awesome school, but I, I did a semester at UC Santa Barbara, and there like people would call me a mathlete, and I was like a junior in college, and I was like I'm like this is still I still fit into the box that media has presented to me. I'm saying this if you didn't know me, that's how I was perceived. Once like of part of my friend group, I was not that yeah, yeah. Uh, like you know, but but again, media it's like finite. Mm -hmm. So these are people who have seen minimal or had minimal experiences with right. Indian men, young Indian guys, one of which is seeing Kenny G, right, a mathlete, right. Mean Girls, yeah. and then they see you, and for some reason, they just make them, a connection. Yeah. that's the easiest first thing that comes out of their mouth. Mm -hmm. But today, so much of that has changed, and I actually love where we've ended up in this conversation, which is this, just that. To go back to what we just did in Denver, like we are a part of the 
new wave of more inclusivity and more representation in media that in a traditionally um, white affluent sport like lacrosse, for me, there was something that clicked this week of all these kids like yelling my name, Mm -hmm. which is an Arabic name. You know, I'm an Indian guy, but yelling my name, being excited to meet me and me being one of the faces of this sport um, over the past seven years it's a pretty powerful time in media. Of course. And it's a pretty awesome time that identities can um, start to emerge. And I think it offers the opportunity for a bunch of these young kids, the U13 kids that we interacted with this week, to decide which identity they connect with. And then I think the next step is for all of their friends to accept which identity they've move towards Mm -hmm. the acceptance that all of these are valid identities you know like what you're seeing in the bonobos commercial comments is people suggesting these are not valid identities yeah and i think i mean these kids are all 11 12 13 but we talk a lot about the generation below us like gen z they clearly have way more definitions even than our generation right like Mm -hmm. we're learning a lot from the generations below us about sexual orientations, all different sure. types of identities. And uh, I think it's really it's really inspiring and exciting to know that the trend does seem to be moving towards more inclusivity mm-hmm. as kids are getting young, uh, like, you know, seeing some of these younger kids. It, it gets me actually really pumped to create. Like having this conversation gets me really excited to create. I've been so excited about the outreach I get from... Uh, you know, Indian, the Indian community. That's mm-hmm. like so exciting for me um, to get that. I get excited about any outreach I get from the lacrosse community to my personal accounts or that we get from the lacrosse community. Um, I, I just get excited that we get to connect with communities and that we get to have a platform. Even the fact that we get to do this podcast is so exciting. So it's, it's a really cool time in media and, and, Again, this was a conversation that Colin and I have quite a bit off the pod, but I think this was probably the longest and most in-depth we've gone on this. Yeah. And I feel like the most intriguing this podcast was, or sorry, this conversation has been. Like, I've been more interested in, in what we just talked about, like how, how deep we just went. That was really cool. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So if you have thoughts on this, please email us, tweet at us, check us out on Instagram, Colin and Samir. Um, and if you're new to this podcast and you made it all the way to the end... That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening all the way through. Maybe we should give some fun facts about Colin and Samir. Colin? Samir? Fun facts. What do you got? That was fun facts with Colin and Samir. <laughs> I just blanked hard. I was like, don't do this to me, Samir. Don't it's do actually, this to me. Actually, the, the, the final story I'll tell you is that this happened uh, when we premiered some content for Instagram with IGTV this this January we premiered um, content in New York with Instagram and they told us we were going to be on a panel. So, okay, great. We'll be on the panel with Instagram. And they were like, hey, just prepare a fun fact about you because I'm going to cue you to say a fun fact. And both Colin and I were like, oh no. My heart started racing. What do you do when someone tells you what's a fun fact? That's so much pressure. Yeah. What is a fun fact? Yeah. Who's to say it's fun? What's What's a fact that's fun? My middle name is Baxter. That's not fun. Yeah, see? I don't know. This is a safe space to come up with fun facts. I got nothing. Maybe we'll do that on another podcast. I got nothing.
I think I, I the worst is you say something and no, the audience doesn't react, which is what happened to me. I think that happened and to think me. That happened to you. Yeah, yeah. At the BuzzFeed thing, the IGTV thing. But yeah. then I, I pulled myself out of it a little bit. I remember. Yeah, I don't remember. I I've, followed I, up with something and everyone laughed and I was like, okay, I, thank God. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right. I'm gonna sit down. I, I said something and no one laughed and I was like, okay, let me hand yeah. the mic. Uh, like, long story short, I am not fun. Yeah, like none of this <laughs> is fun for. Fun fact: none of this is fun. <laughs> this will be fun for anyone. For anyone. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, uh, especially if you're new. Thanks for all the love from Spotify and Anchor. Uh, if you guys are on Anchor, leave us a voice message. We love getting voice messages from you guys. If you enjoyed this conversation, let us know. If you have thoughts on this conversation, please chime in, whether it's through Anchor voice message, Twitter, um, Gmail, colinitsmere at gmail.com, wherever you want to get in touch with us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. And again, we'd love for you to be involved. So make sure to check us out on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, just by searching Colin and Samir. We're basically at Colin and Samir everywhere on the internet. You can also leave us a voice message on Anchor. It's a really cool feature. If you download the Anchor app, you can send us a voice message and we can actually play your message in our episodes. All right, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, review the show if you've been enjoying it, or if you have any other feedback for us, send that to us as well. And we'll see you back here next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.